Hello, everybody. Welcome to the A Voice in the Wilderness podcast today. Uh, man, this is a huge opportunity to sit down with somebody that I love so much. And, um, you know, so those of you that don't know a lot about mine and Crystal's history, um, when I first got born again in 2008, um, we were introduced to Angie Land, which is with us today. And Angie has been blessed with the opportunity to do marriage counseling over in the Bell, um, Old Town, you know, Branford area. And she's been doing marriage counseling. How long How long have you actually been doing it? Um, about 18 years. So she's been doing So I don't know where. So about 10, I guess about 10 years ago, you worked with Crystal and I. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of right in the middle of it for you. Mm-hmm. And um, and honestly, I can, I can just tell you that um, I tell people a lot whenever I'm sharing our testimony. I talk about I never thought it would be a country girl from old town that God would use to, to really get to me. And you, you know, God really used you in my life when I first got born mm-hmm. again. You know, it's hard to kind of wrap your mind around what God has planned for your life. And you did just such a good job of just mm-hmm. being dedicated to, um, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm admittedly hardheaded. I am. <laughs> and I think it's a good thing when you love the Lord because mm-hmm. nobody can waver you. But I remember just, you having just this, um, you were so patient with me because I had my mind made up about things so many times when I came mm-hmm. in to see you and you really took the time and the patience that you had to have had to work with a guy like me. And so I just want to tell you, thank you for, for what you did for me and my wife, because mm-hmm. um, it literally went from, I, I was certain that we would be divorced to what I consider to be the happiest time of my life. Mm-hmm. Once we had a chance to work with you for a while and, um, and so today, what I want to do is I just want to encourage some married couples today is what I'd love mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And I know you've got this immense amount of wisdom that God's given you and experience through mm-hmm. marriage counseling because we do work with couples. And mm-hmm. I know that I'm completely different when I work with couples than you are. I mean, mm-hmm. God just does different things through me. Yeah. But what I want to do today is just introduce everybody to you mm-hmm. and talk about, um, you know, we're going into the holiday season. This is usually a very tough time for families because yeah. you're around people that you don't always get along with. And it really puts a strain on marriages when you have all this financial responsibility mm-hmm. and gifting mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping we can put something together that can encourage some couples today. So yeah. um, Angie Land, you live yeah. in Old Town. How long have you been married? Oh, goodness. Alton and I celebrate 35 years this year. Wow. Uh, it just Well, last month in November, 35 years. <laughs> yep. Well, long I know time. everybody that's watching this is going, there's no way Angie can be 30, been married for 35 yeah. years because really you don't look any like you've aged at all and it's been a decade yeah. that we've known each other well i always tease and say i got married when i was two so if anybody's trying to do the math there you go <laughs> yeah so but no we um 35 years and um alton always says 34 real good ones that first one was a doozy we were climbing uphill and um but we always laugh and say if we hadn't had those first few that were so tough we wouldn't appreciate and enjoy the ones that we've had after that so we um love being married and love ministering to couples who um just are struggling too because marriage is is tough it, it's not an easy thing but the benefits are there if we can just understand what god has for us through marriage it is an amazing thing that he he came up with it's his idea right. and um so if we can get in line with him on that it's still an amazing idea so you you just touched on something that Crystal and I are working with some couples right now, and some of them are in that first year. Mm-hmm. And we keep telling them that's probably the toughest mm-hmm. time of your marriage mm-hmm. is that first year. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to a couple that's in that first one or two years of marriage right now that just mm-hmm. they they just feel like there's no hope? I mean, yeah. what would you say to them? Yeah. So the first couple years of marriage are um, – it's really that honeymoon stage that you kind of go into of you're still learning each other. You're trying to combine your history from how you were raised and how they were raised and bring it under one roof. And that can be really tough. But I think the, the big thing is expectations is that we all kind of come into marriage with an, a, an idea that we've had probably since we were small kids of what we thought our marriage was going to look like. Maybe um, we watched our mom and dad not have a great marriage. And so we thought, I don't want it to look like that. I want it to look like something else. Or maybe we have a picture of a couple that we thought had a great marriage 
you know, when we were growing up that we saw and we thought, that's what I want my marriage to look like. And so we develop these expectations and, and we go into marriage carrying that. But we don't always communicate them. In fact, rarely do we communicate them because by nature, when we have an expectation, we think that the other person, that's what they want too. Right. Because that, that we just think, well, we agree on everything. We, we're in love. This is going to be wonderful. We want the same thing. So we mistakenly think that they understand those expectations without us voicing them. And, you know, I say to couples all the time, it's really not fair to get mad at your spouse if you haven't told them what you need and then they don't do it. Right. It's, that's not fair. It's kind of like having the secret, not giving it to them, of what could be successful. So in doing that, um, I say communication is huge. Think about what your idea of marriage what you want that to look like, what your expectations are. For example, and this is a silly thing, but you'd be amazed at how many couples fight about this. Does the toilet paper go over the top or does it go over under the bottom? And couples fight about things like that because one of them grew up in a house where it went one way and the other went the other way. And it's just silly things like that that we get frustrated about. And when the honeymoon phase starts coming down and we start getting frustrated at each other about these little things, stuff like that just builds up and it, it just can get kind of ugly really over silly things that when you were dating you didn't care which way the toilet paper went it didn't matter because you were just so starry-eyed over each other it didn't matter I made a comment the other day to a couple I said the things that you find so attractive about the person that you get into a relationship with uh, when you first meet them, become the things that create the most problems yes. when you get married. It's yes. insane, yes. but it actually happens that way. Do you do you see that in most of your couples? Absolutely, and, and what you're talking about there is personality differences a lot of times, the strengths and weaknesses. Um, by nature, we're attracted to people whose personalities are different than ours so that their strengths kind of fill in the gaps for our weaknesses. So let's say if you... If you're um, a talker, if you really enjoy talking and being social, you're likely going to be attracted to someone who enjoys listening to you talk more than they enjoy talking. So they're going to be quieter, which works out great until you start getting on each other's nerves. And then that other person's thinking, will they ever be quiet? Or, the, or that one's thinking, I wish you would talk sometimes or, you know, whatever. And so um, that's exactly what you're talking about. It's really personality differences that draw us to each other to kind of balance us out. But then when we're trying to do life together and we're raising kids and working and paying bills and we're tired and, or, you know, don't feel good, things like that, and we get a little bit grumpy, um, things like that just start getting on our nerves because it's, well, why, are you, why do you have to be like that? Well, that's kind of the way they were when you picked them, right? right. But um, it just starts being, um, we, I think we, we lose our gratefulness for the, the strengths that they bring to the table. And instead of seeing it as a gift, we start getting annoyed by it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, t I tell people, you know, you only give power to what you focus on. Yeah. You know, so if you focus, I remember when, when I first, when me and Crystal first started working with you, there were things about her that would just drive me just crazy. I yeah. mean, they drove me crazy. And then once you started working with us and once I started praying, you, I, I don't know if you gave me this advice or if, if God just put it on my heart, but I started praying that I could see my spouse through the eyes of Christ. I, yeah. I think you might've been the one that, yeah. that kind of encouraged that. Yeah. And, when I prayed that, it literally went from being annoyed to me weeping because I couldn't believe that God would give me a spouse like that. It yeah. changed. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if I can help couples understand, you get to choose. You really do. You get to choose what you focus on in, mm -hmm. in, your, in your mate. Mm -hmm. And you can choose to focus on the toilet mm -hmm. paper being on the wrong way. Yep. Or you can choose on what God's put in, put in your life. Because I can tell you, um, Crystal, when you talk about filling in the gaps. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of gaps to be filled in in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there really mm -hmm. was. And she does such a beautiful job of that. Mm -hmm. Like her yeah. working with me in this ministry has been one of the best things in the world. Yeah. You know, at first I thought we were going to kill each other the first few weeks. <laughs> yeah. But once we kind of got into our groove and we kind of found out what she was going to be doing and what I was going to be doing and it, it really started working out. So, you know, holidays are coming up. Christmas is coming up. Mm-hmm. What what advice would you give to the couples that, hey, look, I, I know going into the mm -hmm. holidays, it's tough, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because you're going into your extended family and it's it's you're coming together. A lot of different things are happening. Yeah. Um, what what kind of encouraging words do you think you could share with some couples yeah. right now in this time of the year? Yeah. So Skipper, this year, 2020 has been um, a big opportunity for all of us to grow and to um, draw on our faith to walk well in these tough times and um it's been a challenge just because change is always a challenge um and even you know for couples who have maybe you know their incomes changed because of the covid restrictions and things like that or maybe there's been illness in their family because of it or um you know a lot of people have really struggled through a lot of the political divisiveness in our country and things like that and and so you know we've had a lot of opportunity this year for growth and to be challenged in by hard things you know God uh, contrary to our belief a lot of times God's not afraid to let us go through hard things to build our character <laughs> to build our faith and things like that and we kind of just want to hunker down and let it go over the top of us and not be affected by it but you know, if we're wise as Christians, we're going to take these opportunities for all of this stuff that's going on and dig into our faith, keep a, a smile, keep our joy, you know, in that. Because the, the biggest thing that Jesus wants to see in this for all of us is, is for us to keep our light. Right. in this in this dark world um, and and you know this this year I've heard people say this is the toughest year Americans ever had you know I, I don't think so I think no. that you know when someone said that the other day um, I overheard a conversation someone said this is the most divided our country's ever been and I thought well what about the Civil War right. you know so definitely our country's gone through things our world has gone through this is not just an American issue you know there's um, countries all over the place that are all of the all of our world is dealing with the the COVID um, shutdowns and just all kinds of unrest. People are are protesting about all sorts of things all over our world, and yet as Christians, we are supposed to draw on our faith to be light and to be hope in this hopelessness and um, shine brighter than ever because the darkness gets darker. Right. Right. And so as a couple, all the more for us to, to join together. Um, the other day, my husband and I got into a discussion about leaving dishes in the sink, you know, something real silly. And he was so, so sweet to me. I had, I was tired and it had a day and I was like, you know, that bowl was not mine in the sink. It was yours. He was asking me about it. And I said, that was yours. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? He said, it was mine. He said, but even if it was yours, he said, if, if something like that was going to bring a division between me and you, he said, I'd scrape it with my teeth if I had to. Right. He said, I don't want division between you over a bowl, over any kind of anything silly like that. And that's really, you're talking about what we focus on. And just him saying that to me, he made me laugh, of course, you know, right off the bat, the picture in him doing that. But then more than that, I thought, he's absolutely right. right. Uh, something so silly as that when there's so many bigger issues for us to be together on. And so what I would say to couples going into the holidays, it's back to the expectations, just like when we first got married. I don't think there's any holiday that creates more expectations than Christmas right. you know and, and a lot of that's from our media you know the the Hallmark movies and all that where in, a, in an hour and a half a, the biggest problem in your life can be resolved and you have a sweetheart at the end you know I don't know all those <laughs> movies are kind of the same but we have that idea that um, the holidays you know should be perfect that maybe you haven't gotten along with a family member all year long but you have this idea that at christmas everybody's going to be on their best behavior and get right. along and that's just not realistic right. you know it kind of even can bring out the worst you know the worst in people and so um expectations i would say there's a formula that i tell couples a lot of times that if our expectations are greater than reality that's going to equal disappointment right but if our expectations are less than or at least equal to reality, then we're, that's going to equal satisfaction. And what we know about an equation in algebra is that the equal sign is non-negotiable. So that's not going to change, right? So right. the satisfaction and the disappointment are going to always be the results of those two different equations. 
reality is what it is. We very often can't do anything about that. That's something we can't change. So the only variable in that equation is going to be our expectations. Sometimes our expectations are unrealistic. If we expect to get everybody in the house for Christmas and everything be perfect, or if you're going to buy the perfect gift for everybody and be able to afford it, or if you're, you know, all of those things, the perfect dish, even everybody's favorite holiday gift, sometimes it gets burnt or it's, you know what I mean? Right. It just, you just, things just aren't perfect. And so if we can lower those expectations to just saying, can we just enjoy everybody who's going to be together to be together? And can we just agree that, you know, we may not even agree on everything. A lot of families are not getting together, you know, because of um, COVID, because of political divisiveness. I've heard that even this holiday season. And so, um, you know, I would say, I think Jesus is more, he's, he's about unity. Right. And if we can't, if we can't muster up our faith and, and draw on our faith to, to work towards unity, um, I think we're kind of missing the point of Christmas. Right. It's not about the gifts and the meals and the, all of those things. It's really about the fact that Jesus came. And my favorite verse, um, our pastor read it in church yesterday, and I, I've been thinking about it ever since. Um, I love the story of Joseph when he finds out Mary's pregnant, I just, my heart is so tender to him because he loves her and he's, you know, you can imagine a young man who's excited about marrying this girl that he loves and he finds out she's pregnant and he is heart sick. You know, he has to be just yeah. devastated at the thought of what has happened here and not ever dreaming that this would be something Mary would be possible, you know, capable of having a baby out of wedlock. And so, it was in his mind to put her away quietly. And I've always laughed about that verse, that there were probably times early on in our marriage when Alton would have loved to have put me away quietly. <laughs> he just couldn't figure out how to get me to be quiet. So right. that was the thing. But um, it said that in, in Matthew 1, in verse 20, it says, But as he, Joseph, considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what Christmas is really about. Right. That Jesus was born. He put on flesh and came here as a baby, gave up all the splendor of heaven, all the glory that came with being the Son of God, and came down here to be born in a stable wrapped in a baby's body and and that was the point of it was that he was coming here to live among us and then die for our sins not so that we could have a christmas tree and a lot of presents and all that and all that's fine and good and fun you know we enjoy that at our house too but really the the bigger picture is our expectations what are we doing this for and right. i think couples who get on board with that um, pre-holiday whether it's about keeping your financial plans within what you can afford because if you spend x amount of dollars that you can afford compared to x amount of dollars you can't afford where's the stress going to be right. in that because it doesn't matter how much money you spend. There's not the perfect gift for everybody. There's not that expectation. And so, um, unless you make that, the right. expectation. And so just getting on board and, and the biggest thing couples can do is communicate with each other and set their expectations together of what they anticipate this holiday could be, what they want it to be about, not how perfect can we make it. Yeah. Right? One of the things I think so cool about, What's going on right now is the Christmas star. It's supposed to be, we're supposed to be able to see it tonight mm. uh, from four to six. I okay. think they said um, here in our area. And it's been over 800 years since it's been visible. Wow. And it's just, I think that's another sign of what's kind of going on with 2020 yeah. and all the things that have been going on. And I think that um, I am seeing more couples go through a lot more mm -hmm. in this year. And mm -hmm. I think you're, you're right on the money with all that. What is one of the most common issues that you deal with with couples? Um, well, I would say probably the biggest challenge for couples across the board is communication. 
because just like we said earlier, some in, in every couple, usually one's more of a talker, one's more, you know, quiet. And so communication can be tough. And we also, um, because men and women are different, they process information different, they communicate differently. And so a lot of times when you and Crystal are having a conversation, you know what you said to her and what that meant, but she may have heard something totally different. And so she walks away from that conversation thinking one thing and you're thinking that you communicated everything fine and that she understands exactly what you're talking about until something happens and she acts differently and you're like, well, why did you do that? And she says, well, that's what you said. And no, that's not what I said. And I think a lot of conflict in marriage comes from just lack of uh, communication that is very well, I don't know, communicated, I guess. Um, and so that's probably the biggest thing because it doesn't really matter what the conflict is about. If you can't communicate about it, it's not going to get resolved. So that's probably the biggest thing, whether you're talking about money, whether you're talking about um, family issues, whether you're talking about sex, those are some of the biggest things that couples argue over. But the bottom line is really about communication, about whatever that is, you know, whichever it is. And so if you can communicate and agree on some middle ground somewhere, you don't have to agree with everything each other says. You're two right. different people. You're going to have different opinions on things, perspectives, and that's totally healthy. But communicate enough until you can find some common ground and then work from there. Right. Yeah. So you worked with us for, I don't know how long, maybe a year. Yeah, I think probably we, about that. We, and so with you doing this for 18 years, mm -hmm. um, you've seen success mm -hmm. in, in counseling and you've seen failure. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what would you say is maybe a few things that, that help create the success mm -hmm. and maybe some things that create the failure? I mean, because mm -hmm. couples that come to counseling – what I have kind of started doing and, and, and I try not to give them this open door to tell me exactly what they think about the other one in front of them. I don't, I try to stay mm -hmm. away from that. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll meet with them one-on-one -on -one and get that part of it. And then when we come together, we're going to focus on working on you because mm -hmm. you taught me that. Mm -hmm. I love that. When you told me this, I'll, I'll never forget when you told me this, when we were meeting, you said, you, cause I kept saying crystal does this and crystal does this and it makes me mad. And you looked at me one day and you said, nobody can make you mad skipper. You choose to react the way you want to react right. to what Crystal does, mm -hmm. and it and it was one of those aha moments for mm -hmm. me. I was like, wait a minute, yeah, that is absolutely true. Nobody can make me feel right. feel anyway. Yeah. I don't, you know. And, so, and we don't always like to hear that, but there is something empowering about it that makes us, when we realize that we have control over our reactions, our emotions, in fact, the way we react to a situation is really a, a sign of resilience in our life that we can um, handle going through tough things if we can control how we respond to stuff. You know, when if you've ever been around someone or maybe have had situations in your life where something, you know, some event or circumstance happened and it just felt like the end of the world and you sort of operated like it was the end of the world and it didn't get better. So the way we respond to something um, is, is always going to help us get through it if we can respond with hope and um, just a, an anticipation that there are there may be some things I can't control, but let me focus on what I can control. And in that situation, you couldn't change Crystal, but you could change how you responded or reacted to Crystal. And so, um, you know, that's really the only um, only path that we have to change is to work on ourselves. You know, the serenity prayer, we've heard it our whole life. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change. Well, that would probably be our spouse, right? <laughs> and give me the courage to change the things I can. Well, that would be us, right? And the wisdom to know the difference, to know when it's her thing that she's got to work on and when it's my thing I've got to work on, right? Yeah. And so I, I think a lot of people spend a lot of energy and brain power trying to change other people because they'd rather do that so they don't have to change. Right. You know, but the fruit of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, what does it say about control? What kind of control, control. is it? It's self-control. The fruit of the Spirit 
God's Holy Spirit doesn't give us the ability to control somebody else. He gives us the ability to control ourselves, our reactions, our um, thoughts, our, you know, behaviors, all of those things. We have that through the power of the Holy Spirit, not so much to, for other people. We can share influence. We can encourage them to change, you know, and as a spouse, if there's unhealthy behavior, you definitely want to talk about those and discuss them and, and put some boundaries in place to say, you know, as if, if this is going to continue, um, I may have to make, there may have to be some consequences for this, you know, whatever it is, if it's unhealthy and harm in their relationship, but you can't change that for them. That's right. going to have to be a decision that they make. So back to what you ask about success and versus failure. So one of the things I would say about counseling that I had to learn when I first started counseling is that counseling's not a 911 call. When someone is, you know, if your spouse has just come in and said, looked at you and said, I don't want to be here anymore, I want a divorce. That moment, you may start talking to your friends or somebody trying to find some counseling, but that's not probably the moment where you're going to hear what the counseling, um, what a counselor would have to say because your emotions are going to be everywhere. So when someone calls for counseling and they say, I need to get in today, um, my first thought is probably that wouldn't be a good idea. You know, you need someone to talk to and to comfort you, but you're not ready for counseling. You need some comfort right now. And that's probably best given from a good friend or a family member that you're close to. Um, because counseling is more about helping you untangle that knot and figure out how you got there in that situation and how to keep from going back there or how to work out what's, what's gotten you there to start with. So counseling number one is not a 911 call. Right. It's a time of after your your emotions have settled down a little bit to start learning and growing and trying to sort through and learn what it is that needs to change about you in order to do that. And maybe it's just that there needs to be healthier boundaries in your relationship. And so, you know, that that's something that a lot of couples discover, too. Um, so that's one big thing about success versus failure. And I think the second one is just being willing to do the work. Right. You know, I, I tell couples all the time, come into my office once for an hour, once every week or every two weeks is not where the healing's going to happen. My goal when you're in my office is just to kind of give you some parameters and send you out to live it out. Um, and if you're not willing to do the work to, to live within those parameters when you get home, the healing's not going to happen. Right. You know, it's, it takes a combination of your effort and God's grace to, to restore that, it's not going to be just coming and sitting in, in a counselor's office and expecting them, you know, there's no magic wand they can wave over you um, to, to bring that healing. It, it comes with doing the work. And the couples that I have worked with through the years that have been willing, like you and Crystal, to hang in there and do the work and keep showing up and saying, okay, we did that this week. What are we going to do next week? You know, ready and and, um, and and then even saying, you know, a couple weeks ago we were doing okay. We've hit a wall this week. I think we need to go back and revisit this again and keep working at it because it takes time to change behaviors. Right. Patterns get set, and it really takes time to keep – working on that to get that to be the um where that's the pattern the healthier decisions the healthier behaviors becomes the pattern it just it ta it's a process it takes time but I, re I remember telling Crystal one time, um, I believe, when she was discouraged about some things that don't feel like when you stumble that you've fallen all the way back down to where you were when you started, right. you know, that you, you're going to stumble sometimes and, and things aren't always going to go well. It's not always going to feel good, but it's an opportunity to keep practicing, you know, that and, um, and giving that other person the chance to continue to come back and say that wasn't a good, you know, good decision or I didn't handle that well. Let's, let's try that again. Well, I remember, I, remember I wrote this down because I wanted to come, come back to this because I remember one time, you know, because we've, we've directed a lot of people over to you mm -hmm. over the years. And I remember one time you made a comment about you have one, one of your rules that you have about meeting with couples is you don't meet with couples that have a substance abuse issue right. in them. Right. 
can you can you talk about that a little bit? Because there's probably a couple out there right now that's in trouble, and mm -hmm. that might be part of yeah. what's going on. And I just yeah. wanted you to touch on that if you don't mind. Yeah. So, um, so just for clarification, it's not that I that I won't meet with them. It's just that they, if there's a substance abuse and an addition and addiction or a substance abuse issue at all um, that has got to be addressed separately and that's not my area so I'll always refer if, if I'm working with a couple and like you said um, when I begin to work with a new couple I see each one individually first so that I can get their perspective without the other person being in the room and them having to be so cautious about what they say and not hurting the other person's feelings or embarrassing you know each other and so I work with them one-on-one -on -one and and I, I'm pretty plain about that that if issues arise throughout the course of counseling that I feel like require further um, help or attention that I will refer them out and addiction is one of those. If there is any kind of drug abuse or any kind of um, even an addiction to pornography, things like that, um, and and that's a common thing that I'm seeing more and more now. Um, but when that happens, I always refer them to someone else, and with the hopes that they will start working on that issue, and then come back for relationship, you know, counseling because. When you try to repair relationship issues, when someone is addicted to a substance of any kind, whether it's alcohol, like I said, or drugs or pornography, the first allegiance is always to that addiction. Right. And so when you start trying to work through communication issues, relationship issues, you're going to keep running into that addiction because that is, is the first allegiance of the person who's addicted and so you can't get past that to solve any relationship issues and not to mention that the trust of the other partner who's been dealing with the person with addiction their trust is is you know really got a big crack in it from you know just from the addiction itself the behaviors that go with addictive um, addiction so um, so I have worked with couples where there's been an addiction but usually it's in joint um, in connection with other counseling for that. Does that right. make sense? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you brought up pornography, mm -hmm. and I think this is a huge battle Absolutely. that we're having, especially with men. And I know the, the percentage of women that are getting involved in it is actually growing quite mm -hmm. a bit. Yeah. And so this is the way that I've always seen pornography. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at Isaiah chapter 55, it actually says that, Jesus was beaten for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Mm -hmm. And one is an outward wound and one is an inward wound. And if mm -hmm. you go back and you read the, the words of Paul, Paul says there's two different types of sin. One is against other people and one is against yourself, right. which to me that goes together. When you mm -hmm. think about it, a bruise is an inward wound. So whenever a young man or, or a husband is addicted to pornography, he's mm -hmm. continuously creating iniquity mm -hmm. and he's bruising himself on the inside. And the way that I've always looked at it is if you are so bruised up and banged up on the inside, you can't understand the intimacy that you need to have with a spouse. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I look at the, the issue that young men are having with pornography and, uh, and husbands are having with pornography, it, it, it's, it's an inward wound mm -hmm. and you can't experience that you were talking about this. You were talking about the difference between, you know, uh, a, a carnal feeling for somebody and a mm -hmm. godly love for somebody. You were mm -hmm. talking about that when you first came in today. Mm -hmm. And so um, what is your – there's a lot of that going on. There's, I mean, mm -hmm. I've had times where I've done camping trips when I've had, you know, 17, 18 teenage boys around mm -hmm. a fire, and I call it fire mm -hmm. time confession, and every single one of them start crying over an addiction to pornography. Yes. You know, and it's a major problem. And so – those guys that are out there that are struggling with that or a wife that's trying to navigate through mm -hmm. that in her marriage, what, what, what is your advice to them? Because yeah. that is a major problem right now. Yeah, so understanding where a lot of this is coming from in our culture is, is access. You know, um, one of the things that, that I'm, I hear, because I do work in the school system some, I do relationship education with middle and high school students for it's a grant that we have, and, and we do a program called choices with that and um, a couple of different conversations that we have with students about pornography has resulted in um, sixth and seventh grade boys 
telling me that their, you know, older brothers or their uncles or even their dads or stepdads have shown them pornography, um, sort of just showing them how to be a man kind of thing. And, you know, when young boys see that kind, and, and girls too, but more predominantly boys, when they see that kind of representation of intimacy and they don't understand the dynamics of what is happening there, it, it really is a wound that happens in their um, emotions. And, and But their body can respond to that so young because they're starting to go through puberty, they're dealing with hormones and all of those things. And so that response to them triggers what they think is normal. And so it can begin, uh, uh, you know, if they don't have someone in their life who helps them understand. And the thing about pornography is it's not something that, that we talk to about, uh, talk about with our students or, you know, teens or whatever, because, you know, hopefully they're not doing it. So we don't want to bring it up and, and all that kind of thing, but we've got to talk to them about right. it, Skipper, because it's everywhere. Um, and all of these, you know, these same students are walking around with iPhones and the access is there. Um, and, and, you know, this online stuff, it's, it's a moneymaker. Pornography is a billion-dollar industry. And so there, it's set up that when students are searching for things in search engines, they can type in something totally innocent or benign, and all kind of things come up, and they get exposed to it. Um, and so, you know, that, that creates that problem. And then as they grow older, it's, it's a, it's that secret sin, like you're talking about that bruise on the inside. It's something that they can do in private, but with it comes so much shame and guilt and condemnation that they don't understand that's not just what men do or that healthy thing. And, you know, the book of Job, he talks about, um, casting his eyes away from a maiden that's not, that doesn't belong to him, not his wife. And, you know, there's, there's not much mention of that in our culture for men to be responsible to protect themselves from that onslaught of visual stuff that that is coming at them all the time. And what I hear mostly how how it comes up in counseling are wives who are brokenhearted because they have come to believe the lie that they're not enough. Right for their husband to be satisfied or, you know, to be content with. And, and I have assured so many women that it, it has nothing to do with how you look, you know, that this is, this is a much deeper issue, um, for your husband that, or, you know, a fiance, whatever, that it is, um, it is a wound that has started at some point in his past and turned into an addiction. And, um, it, you know, there's going to have to be help for that specifically. And, and that's something that I refer yeah. people to because that's, you can't, it's, it's, that's one of the hardest ones to break because it's done in secret. Right. And when you're by yourself, the temptation is going to be there, you know, yeah. to do that. So, um, yeah. So when, you know, when, when you met us, I had, a, a, a serious situation with infidelity mm-hmm. um, when you met me and I'd got born again. And um, I remember, I remember thinking in my mind back in those days that there was just this desire mm-hmm. to be wanted. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a desire um, that wasn't, it was to me, the desire to be wanted wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. It was the way I was trying to fulfill that desire. Right. But I remember when I lived that lifestyle and Crystal discovered it, I remember thinking in my mind, you know, because I think she felt the same way. She felt like I'm just, it's, it's her fault because she's not, not necessarily her fault, but she had some responsibility in it because she felt like she wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, I was married to, I'm married to someone that played the role of Barbie. Mm-hmm. She's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Yes. Um, she's a great mother. Mm-hmm. She's honest. She's faithful. She's loyal. She's um, she, she's dedicated. I mean, there's really not a drawback to yeah. the woman that I'm married to. Right. So if there's a man listening or watching today and you think that, you know, you just don't have all the things that you need in a wife and that's why you're making these decisions. I'm telling you, brother, that's not what it is. Right. It wasn't anything to do with the lack that my wife offered me. It was a hole inside of me that I was trying to stuff all this stuff into yes. to feel better 
And I did not have a satisfaction of that desire in my heart until mm -hmm. I met Christ and I surrendered my heart to him. Yeah. It didn't come until then. And I'm a perfect example of a human being that was told that lie by the enemy mm -hmm. that I was married to the wrong girl when I had the perfect girl, mm -hmm. you know, and when I look back at that, the most common lie that the enemy tries to put into a man's head is, Hey, you married the wrong girl. Yeah. Well, I'm a, Hey, I'm telling you, that's a lie Yeah. because that's not how this works at all. And so I had to find that relationship with Christ, which was mm -hmm. the thing that fulfilled me. And it, I, I can't begin to tell guys um, this. And this was something I saw, you know, Ted Bundy actually when he's the serial killer that he actually took a girl from Lake city. Mm -hmm. And so I watched, they came out with his tapes this year and I watched those. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just, I, I, I was so young when that happened. I didn't really remember it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about what happened. And it was his final interview before they put him in the electric chair. Have you ever watched yes, that? Yes. Yes. It was so stunning to mm -hmm, me because mm -hmm. he sits there and looks at the camera and he says, I have yet to meet one violent offender in prison. Not one have I met that was not addicted to pornography. Yeah. That was a shocker to me. Yeah. yeah. That pornography has that kind of effect on men. If it's, mm -hmm. if, if not one violent offender that he's met in the prison system mm -hmm. did not have a major addiction to pornography, mm -hmm. what's it doing? Yeah. To the rest of our young men. Well, if you think about it, Skipper, you know, we talk about pornography being an addiction and we have, you know, we have such understanding now about um, drugs that someone starts with what they call a gateway drug and then they have to do something harder to get that same high and to meet that same, you know, expectation, that feeling that they're looking for. You have to keep, you know, advancing and pornography is much the same way. For, for a lot of people, you know, some people can look at it a couple of times and put it down and go on, but you don't know that if, you know, until you're right. in the middle of it. But for some people, they have to continue increasing. So what they may have looked at, you know, when they were teenagers, maybe it's not enough anymore. It's not, it doesn't evoke those same physical reactions in their bodies. And same thing happens in our body with that kind of reaction with a chemical release as does you know when we are doing drugs or alcohol whatever so we're trying to still get that same reaction that same release and we have to keep going a little bit more and a little bit more and so what happens with pornography is there's a point where just a normal healthy sexual relationship with your spouse isn't satisfying anymore if you think that all these other options out there are going to be more, you know, give you more of what you're looking for. And so there's actually even, I heard about this a couple years ago at a conference I was at, there's actually a medically documented condition now called PIED, and it's pornography-induced erectile dysfunction, and it's happening to 20-year-old guys. Wow, that's crazy. So what, you know, what guys used to have to do with the Viagra and stuff like that in their 60s or 70s or whatever, now is 20-year-olds because the normal just a normal, healthy relationship with their spouse in their 20s and 30s is not enough anymore. Right. And so, you know, this is a real serious addiction that has consequences long term, not just um, on the marriage. And, you know, what I hear from a lot of times when wives come in and talk about this is, you know, they'll say, well, my husband says this is just what men do. Right. And that's a lie. Yeah, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It is. It is. It's it's what some men do, but they make that choice. And, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about learning the secret of contentment mm -hmm. is found in Christ. And, you know, and for men and women, you know, choosing, God gives us freedom to choose our spouse. He doesn't appoint who we marry. He gives us that freedom to choose. So we can choose someone that we're attracted to, that we admire, that we love being with and things like that. But once we make that vow, we've got to learn that secret of contentment. And that is, you know, one of the best ways for us to do that is to avoid looking at, you know, investing in looking at all these other options. Right. And and you hear that all the time. Well, it doesn't hurt if I'm just looking, I'm not touching, things like that. Well, yeah, it does. Right. You know, and, and proof of that 
is you can be totally content with the, the vehicle you drive, but if you start spending every day walking up and down a brand new um, car lot, yeah. you're not going to stay satisfied with that car you have, right, or that vehicle. And so the same thing, if you've got a spouse that you know, is with you, doing life with you, but you're constantly, everywhere you go, your eyes are scanning for who you can see and who might look better and who might, you know, look younger or be thinner or be whatever, um, you're not going to stay satisfied. So it's a choice that you make, men and women, to be content. And I, you know, I, I pick on men a little bit, but for women, the same thing. If you're, you know, constantly reading romance novels and you're watching these chick movies where the guys always know the right thing to say, they always have enough money, they always smell good, they always, you know, wipe their feet off at the door. Well, women write those scripts. So men don't think that way. They're not wired that way. And if your expectation is that your husband's going to act like something out of a romance novel, you're going to be disappointed. There goes that equation again, right? (laughs) So we've got to decide if we want to be content, we've got to protect ourselves. And, you know, Proverbs 4.23, I share it with every couple um, that I work with, is it says, above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Because out of it is the wellspring of life. We've got to put a guard or guardrails around the, our ability to love someone. We've got to protect that. And the best way to do that is to learn how to be content. Right. One last thing before we go okay. today. Because this has stuck with me from when we, we would meet. And you've talked about there's no back door. Yes. you got to get rid of the back door. Yes. Talk about the back door. Okay. So, um, so the back door is that big D word when you're married. Um, divorce that if you that is an option if that's put on the table then it's always going to seem like the easy way out when things get really hard you know Um, and and the thing is is if you've talked to anyone who's gone through divorce it's not the easy way out it leaves a lot of scars wounds and not just on the couple on people who love them on children on in-law family situations friends, all of that. And so um, the best way for that not to be an option that forces you to come back to the table and work through conflict is just to make sure that you take that off the table. So no back door. Um, When my husband and I first got married, um, we had gotten into a big argument. Um, I was pretty hard-headed and he's pretty hard-headed, so it, it wasn't going well, I'll just say like that. And I, I decided I'd had enough of that. We'd only been married about four or five months, I think. And I, I decided this was not for me. I had had enough. So I went and grabbed my suitcase out of the closet and threw it on the bed and started putting my stuff in it. And Alton came in, looked and saw what I was doing, reached under the bed, grabbed his suitcase, threw it on the thing, and started putting his clothes in it. And I looked at him and said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I don't know where we're going. He said, but if you go and I'm going. And I said, well, my whole point for this was to get away from you. And he said, well, that ain't happening. Amen. He said, wherever you're going, I'm going. And that man could make me laugh at a time like that. I figured he's worth sticking with. You yeah. know what I mean? I tell Crystal all the time, you decide to leave me, I'm going with you. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, if you think you're going somewhere, look in that rearview mirror. I'm going to be right behind you. Amen. So, And I'm thankful for that because through the years, there's been – you know, challenges, we, things are not always easy. And, um, and I can get real focused on what I feel like needs to happen next. And he will always reel me back in. Talk about that balance. He's, he is my balance for that. And, um, you know, this counseling ministry would not be what it was. Nobody ever sees him or hears from him, but he's all in it, um, to keep me balanced. He absolutely is. And so I'm thankful for that. So, um, you still writing articles? No. Um, so the Heart Matters column, it ran for 10 years in area newspapers, and I stopped that a couple years ago. I did. So um, I stopped that about the time I started working in the school system. I just I couldn't balance right. everything. So I still counsel with couples at the Lafayette Baptist Association. Um, I, I do one full day a week and then other, day, other afternoons by appointment. Um, and the grant that I work with with students in Gilchrist and Dixie schools um, is through the Dixie County Health Department. And that's a grant that I have done for them for about four years now, going into the fifth year. 
And um, recently, one of the things God has directed me into, uh, my best friend from high school opened a gym in Dixie County for women. And so um, I have always loved yoga, enjoyed that. And so she asked me to come alongside her and start, you know, doing some yoga in her gym. And I found a a, a, a thing I could get certified and it's yoga faith. So it's, it's really using prayer and meditation and um, scripture and really working on strengthening body, mind, and spirit. And so I do that a couple of afternoons a week um, there and really enjoying that in a great way just to share Christ with women who are trying to get healthy and and bring some restoration back to their health and um, grow in strength and flexibility, that kind of thing. And so I really enjoy that too. And um, that's been so good for me health-wise. Um, all of our kids are out of the nest now, so it's just Alton and I, a little bit extra time other than grandbabies. They're the best. <laughs> so, yeah, so so that's something that I've just gotten into this past year. So God, I mean, doors just kind of open, and we see what God's doing, and join him in it you know and and I love the variety of all the things we get to do but relationships are at the core that's my heart of what um I feel like you know is is that's what brings joy to our lives is is our relationships and people are the only thing we can take with us to heaven right that's it so we got to invest there that's so, it that's yeah. it well I, I I hope you come back sometime yeah um you know thank you for driving all the way over to come spend sure. some time with us and um, I know Crystal told me this morning, I said, you going in with me? She goes, I'm not missing Angie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we thank you so much. Thank you for investing in my family. Absolutely. And, um, you know, God has really used you mm. in my life and my yeah. wife's life. And uh, my kids are, 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 everybody around this ministry is being impacted mm. in due part because of some of your faithfulness to do what God called you to do. Yeah. And we're, 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 you know, we're ministering to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids every year. Absolutely. And even couples. We're, we're, we're always trying to do something to help people and just help them navigate through this, this life and, and just find their way to God's plan for them. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you really were faithful to, to stick yeah. it out with a hard headed guy that, that, that didn't want to listen. Mm -hmm. But I think you're, uh, I tell people all the time, I remember you telling me, I've never met a guy as hard-headed as you, Skipper Hare, but I promise God if you keep coming, I keep working. <laughs> That's right. And and just I'm so proud of you guys and what the work that you're doing and love y'all. So so appreciative of that. So, yeah. So you promise stuff. to come back? I'll come back. So, Absolutely. So this is what we'll do. Anybody that's listening or watching, if you got a, a question that you want Angie to answer, you guys message us the answer or, or put it in the comments, a question. And the next time she comes back, we'll take your list of questions and we'll go through them. Okay. That, that sounds cool? like a plan. Yeah, we'll right. do it. Thank you so much All for right. coming. We love you, All girl. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to A Voice in the Wilderness podcast with Skipper Hare. You can stay connected with us and our family on our YouTube channel, Hare Days Uncut. And don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you'd like more information or to support FCA Outdoors, go to fcaod.org.